What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. This is former world champion boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Booby Gibson. I'm Josh Creed. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening, or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chickens. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your hey, labrum and you can go on the You know what? <laughs> <laughs> it's only game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hard on pitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer to the best of the Akron Zips. Now it's time for SPT. What is going on, Zips fans and SPT enthusiasts from near and far? It's time for the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. And some would even say the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. It's time for Sports Power Talk on WZIP. Hello and welcome, everyone. My name is Logan Congrove, and I am back for the second week as your host. Joining me for today's show, he is WZIP's premier politician and our bachelor fanatic. He is Mr. Matt Permuka. Well, good morning, everyone. And also joining me today, my buddy from the good old days of Ben Dunlap's class and Seattle Seahawks 12th man, it's Mitch Bates. Yeah, but how's it going, everyone? Mitch, it's great to hear from you. Great to have you back on the show. Matt, you as well. We have a jam-packed show for you guys today. Starting off, obviously, with our Akron Zips. We'll be talking about the men's and women's basketball team and their recent successes and unfortunate losses. Moving into the next segment, we'll talk about the NFL, recap our Super Bowl 57 game, as well as some coaching hires. Then into the third segment, we'll talk about the Cavs, and we'll get into Hot Mike and maybe a little bit of NASCAR. You might have to just see. You might have to just see. It'll be great. And segment four will consist of the NBA All-Star Game, which is tonight recapping the NBA All-Star Saturday night as well as tonight's contest and a little game that you'll find out later that we will play. But let's get right into the action, starting off with actually Akron football before we even get into the basketball team. As Joe Moorhead was extended through the 2027 season amid rumors that the Baltimore Ravens had interest in our head coach as their offensive coordinator. Now, this is... Not something that I was even aware of interest-wise, but Joe Moorhead was able to leverage this for himself and is now extended with the University of Akron through 2027. Guys, I'll kick it over to you. What do you make of this extension? Yeah, we actually have positive news involving Akron football for the first time in I don't know how long. Uh, I really love the move we made. It's an investment in the football program, and, you know, say what you will about the recent success. Uh, but this does show we are trying to build something here at the very least. Uh, and it, uh, I think the biggest thing from that, it does prevent Moorhead from dipping back into the Power Five or even the NFL in the immediate, uh, in the immediate future. He's here long-term, another four years, so... I'm very excited for this move. Yeah, I think it was a great future play for Akron. You can say what you want about last season, but, you know, interest from an NFL team, that's no joke. 
and clearly he improved Akron's passing game a lot already in his season that he was here. And I think he's just going to continue to set a really good foundation that this team really needs, and hopefully we can go upward from here. You know, I was telling some people off air that Joe Moorhead might be the only coach in history to receive an extension after a two-win season. And I 100% agree with this extension. I think that Joe Moorhead is the right guy for the job. And we need to cut, well, not me, because this is my take and probably your guys' take too. We need to cut him some slack for last season because it was still Tom Art's players. He wasn't able to get his own recruits on the field. And I think going forward, the Akron Zips are definitely going to be a better team and a force to be reckoned with in the MAC. hopefully. Oh, completely agree. But uh, going back to your earlier take, you said you didn't know a coach that got extended after two wins. Hugh Jackson signed the contract <laughs> extension during the 0-16 Brown season. Just I do. Rem- okay, just you know what? You're right. There. I do remember that. Good old Hugh, our buddy here up at WZIP Sports. You know, one of the best coaches of all time in this general area. <laughs> I can't even say that with a straight face, guys. But hey, let's move on from the Akron's football team. Obviously, a great extension for them. And into Zips men's basketball, starting off with Eastern Michigan. The Akron Zips did play Eastern Michigan over the week. And they were able to come away with a win, 78-51, to shutting down Imani Bates. Another great showing versus the so-called hero of Eastern Michigan, Imani Bates, transferring from Memphis, obviously. I just don't think the guy is all that, but I'll pitch it over to you guys. Mitch, I want to start with you. What do you take away from the Eastern Michigan win on the road? Well, like you said, I initially took away from it the shutting down of Imani Bates, one for seven in shooting, and he was over eight from three. Oof. And that's an NBA prospect right there. So what does that say about our guys? But, I mean, four zips had double-digit points in this game. I think the story of this game was Enrique Freeman with 22 points and 15 rebounds. He has 14th double-double of the season, and it was a pretty dominant win overall, I'd say. Matt? Yeah, I'm going to talk about the uh, defensive side of the ball a little bit more here. I think they really came to play on the defensive end. Uh, Eastern Michigan shot one from 15 from three-point range. We forced 13 turnovers, and they only had two people in double figures. I think that was an incredible defensive performance by Coach Gross's team. Absolutely. You know, I talked about this with Pat last week when we were previewing this matchup that it's kind of the Imani Bates show over there. Imani Bates tends to score all their points. He tends to get all the hype for them, and their team doesn't win games. So I'm actually going to ask you guys the same question after watching this game that I asked Pat and Lana last week. Do you think that Imani Bates is at Eastern Michigan for the correct reasons, or do you think that he is there purely to improve his draft stock, playing in a conference like the MAC where he can kind of make himself look better on purpose? So so what do you mean being at Eastern Michigan for the right reasons? As in, is he there to win games for Eastern Michigan, or is he there to make himself look good so that he can be drafted higher? Because at Memphis, obviously, he wasn't getting what he wanted there. So he transferred to a smaller school where he can totally light. I get Except against the Akron Zips, which I'm apparently, fine with that. Apparently, but can light up the floor and find a way to just make himself look good. Yeah, uh, Zippy's his kryptonite, but yeah, I. <laughs> it, it has to be strictly for his NBA stock. I mean, I don't know why you would transfer out of uh, a relatively strong basketball school in Memphis uh, to go to the MAC to not try to, to. I believe he thought he was going to just take this conference over and just have his way with everyone. I think that was his rationale there. I think he really wanted some highlight reels for the NBA, and it's clearly blowing up in his face. 
Yeah, I think he also, I agree with the highlight reel thing, but I, I don't think it's about winning games at Eastern Michigan. I believe that he did want to carry them to a bunch of wins and win the MAC as a part of increasing his draft stock, but it just didn't go to plan, and that's what the Zips will do to you, so it's not surprising. Hey, if he wants to carry them to the MAC uh, title, he has to be better from one of nine behind the arc and three of 13 from the field. I think that's kind of apparent. Absolutely. I would agree. I think Imani Bates is there for the wrong reasons. I talked about this last week. Uh, he will get drafted. He'll be off that team next year. Before we move on to our next matchup versus Buffalo, I wanted to ask one more question to you guys that was asked to me a few weeks ago. Do you think right now that Enrique Freeman or Xavier Castaneda is more valuable to this Zip scene, this Zips team? Matt, I'll throw it to you first. What is your take on this? Uh, so I've answered this question on air two weeks ago. I still think Enrique Freeman is the more valuable piece of the Zips team. Uh, with all due respect to Xavier Castaneda, he's an incredible guard. But I think it's a lot easier to find guards that can score than it is to find bigs that can take over a game. Yeah, I'm going to disagree right there simply because I I know it's easier to find scoring guards, but if we're talking about the situation with the current team right now and what they need more, you know, Castaneda will have games where he is the only source of offense for the entire team. I, I understand Enrique's dominance, and I respect that, and I don't like to pick between the two, but if I had to, I would just pick X. I would agree. I think I'm going to go X on this one. I'm sticking with what I said before. Xavier Castaneda is very valuable to the Sagan Zips team, and that's not a discredit to Enrique Freeman. Like I said in my previous answer, Enrique Freeman deserves his flowers just as much as anybody else. Great player, and both of them definitely have NBA aspirations and have a, I think could have a chance to play in the league at some point. Oh, I definitely think so. I mean, like... Making the NBA is insane, but I mean, even making a G League roster is no joke. That is an incredibly impressive feat that one, that 1% of athletes will ever do. Definitely. But in moving away from the Eastern Michigan win, the Akron Zips did have another win just last night over the University of Buffalo by 20 points with a final score of 86-66. to 66. Xavier Castaneda did leave that game, lead that game in scoring with 30 points, followed by Enrique Freeman with 21, Nate Johnson with 11. A great matchup for the Zips and a great win heading into almost MAC tournament time. What did you guys make of this game? Well, just like I said, there was the offensive show for Castaneda. He had five three-pointers in this game, which you cannot overlook. And Akron's defense was actually really good, too, as they forced 13 turnovers and they held them to 46% shooting in the entire game. It was pretty much controlling the pace. Enrique had his 15th double-double in this game, and it was just really impressive. Oh, yeah, Xavier was cooking. I don't think there's <laughs> any other way to say it. He was in his bag last night. Uh, it was incredible to watch. Uh, and then, you know, we forced 13 turnovers, and we held Buffalo to only nine assists, which I thought was an incredibly uh, pr- impressive thing. You know, you were stopping the ball carrier – ball handler earlier. <laughs> I had to adjust my sports there. <laughs> you were stopping the ball handler early on in the possession, forcing bad shots. Really good performance defensively, again. Absolutely. And hey, talking about our Zips leaders, here is head coach John Gross on Xavier Castaneda and Enrique Freeman after the Buffalo win. We've played just a, I mean, a really, the hardest schedule we've played since I've been here. You know, we played five, five or six, whatever it was, top 100 net games in the non-conference. It's the first time that we've done that um, and really challenged ourselves. And then, um, 
you know, we've played league play. We had the first week we had to play without Castaneda due to injury. And uh, some guys got some experience there. And so we've kind of dealt with a little bit of the good, bad, and the ugly. We've had a little bit of everything. Um, I think good teams deal with all that well or try to and get to the next play or the next game or the next day. We've tried to do that. We've got really good leadership with with Hankerson, Castaneda, Freeman, and Tribble. I mean, those guys are not only really good players, they're just great dudes. I mean, they're great leaders, hard workers, good people. Um, makes it fun to coach the team every day. That was Akron Zips head coach John Gross on the team leadership that he sees within the Zips basketball program. Guys, what did you make of Coach Gross's comments? I really like the uh, good teams face the good, bad, and the ugly, and they still get to the next day line. I think that was very well spoken uh, because, you know, we have faced everything. He alluded to missing uh, Xavier for several stretches, you know, having a decent start into uh, MAC tournament play, or sorry, MAC conference play. Uh, yeah, it's. It's, it encapsulates everything it takes to be a successful team during the season. Mitch? Yeah, I agree completely. I think Akron definitely has all the pieces of what it takes to create a really tough team and a MAC championship caliber team like they've been recently. And the fact that they're all good people, too, as well as good basketball players, it'll create a better chemistry. It'll, you know, rally the whole city around this team and I think they really have what it takes but they got to keep putting it together and hopefully they can do that absolutely I would agree I think that coach gross is 100% right the Akron Zips have some great leaders here and moving into MAC tournament play it's going to make a huge difference as to why the Akron Zips are successful going forward and speaking of recent successes obviously the Zips went on a little bit of a losing streak against OU and Toledo but then were able to regroup slightly and John Gross did have some comments on that so here is head coach John Gross on the refocus of the Akron Zips following the Kent State matchup it's hard you know it's hard it's hard uh Hard to come back at night was really a special night and give our guys credit. They, you know, Kent's a really good team, very well coached. Obviously, they're leading our league. They're up there with Toledo, so um, we played well that night. But you know, I, I do. I, I did not think our focus was where it needed to be that week after that. Um, but that's on us. You know, now the question is, do you learn from it? I think that's probably what Nate and Hank are telling you. And I think we kind of turned the page this past week. Obviously, uh, here with two wins and. We've got to make sure that we're ready to go this upcoming week. And that was Akron Zips head coach John Gross on the refocus of the Zips men's basketball program. Talked about a little bit of a slump that they went on following the Kent State win after it being such a big and special, meaningful win for the program. And then went on that little streak of not-so-great games. And now they're heading into a matchup versus Toledo. So I wanted to get your comments on Coach Gross's comments on this topic. And then heading into our next matchup on the road on Wednesday versus the Toledo Rockets. What do you make of Coach Rush's comments here? You know, I think he was right. We played Toledo tough, but, you know, they stole a win from us at the jar. And I think scheduling really did bite us in the butt there because, you know, we were coming off an emotional an emotional high, like high point, beating Kent State at home. That was probably the high point of the season. And then to turn around immediately and play another team that is in contention to win the MAC right afterwards – it, it was a really tough thing to prepare for mentally, and I just hope uh, this week we can steal one from them on the road. Yeah, I agree that we played very well against them, but it was not good enough. And the point that we had just come off that really big home win against Kent State, it felt like our 
views weren't exactly in the right direction for that game. I think we were more focused on, hey, we beat these guys, than hey, we have the next best, next best thing coming right up after that. And I think we need to refocus because <clears throat> we're going to have Toledo again very soon here. But if we are completely dialed in on them, not thinking about what's before or after and focusing on them, I think we'll be good. You know, heading into this Toledo matchup, I do think that the Zips now have the momentum. They now know how to play against Toledo. WZIP was in attendance for the home game versus Toledo. Alex and I watched the absolute derailing of the Akron Zips, and I just don't see that happening again. I think the Akron Zips will come away with a strong win against the Toledo Rockets on the road heading into the home stretch of the season. But that's going to do it for our men's basketball talk. It's time to flip over to our Akron Zips women's basketball team, starting off with a great win over the Eastern Michigan Eagles, just like the men, the Akronsists were able to come away with the win on the road ver- or at home, excuse me, versus Eastern Michigan. Molly Neitzel was crucial in that game with 22 points scored, followed by Reagan Bass with 18. And before we talk even more about this, what did you guys take away from Molly Neitzel's performance? Oh, she was incredible. She was having her way from the field. Nine of 16, you said at team high 22. I think she- it was an incredibly efficient night. And, you know, we needed her offensive performance because uh, Eastern Michigan came rolling back in the second half. They were honored. Uh, they were creeping back in the entirety of the second half. So a very great, efficient performance out of her. Yes, yeah, she tied her career high in points scored in a game. And I also took away that defense was very important in this game. And Akron converted 14 EMU turnovers and turned it into 15 points. They also had a season low in turnovers in that game, and I think that was very key in taking the season series right there. Mitch, you're 100% correct, because guess what? Here is Coach Jackson on the lack of turnovers and how awesome that worked out for the Akron Zip. That was the point of emphasis the last two days. You know, we didn't track any scoring in practice. We tracked turnovers. Um, we focused on that. Uh, we made some personal goals, individual goals, you know, for some of our guards. And um, was really, really happy to see 16 assists and nine turnovers. You know, I think we only had three at half. Um, and then Eastern, you know, applied a little bit of pressure, but uh, did a really nice job. End of game situation, you know, got the ball to D.C. Um, she knocked down two big free throws. Um, so very, very happy uh, with our offensive um, efficiency there. Great offensive efficiency indeed from the Akron Zips. That was head coach Melissa Jackson on the lack of turnovers for the Akron Zips, which has been a problem from previous games this season. Matt, I'll flip it over to you. What do you make of the Zips' offensive efficiency versus Eastern Michigan? Oh, I think it was very it was very efficient. I, the, <laughs> game, the game we're about to talk about next was the complete opposite of that. Uh, but yeah, no, she was right. I mean, limited turnovers, uh, great assist numbers, and you know, uh, Reagan Bass was also in double figures. I, I believe someone else was in double figures. I didn't have that pulled up. It was a very well-rounded offensive scoring night for everyone, uh, but yeah, incredibly efficient. I wish I could say the same about the next game. Absolutely. It was incredibly efficient from the Akron Zips. And before we get into our next game, here is Akron Zips head coach Melissa Jackson on Molly Neitzel and Reagan Bass's importance to this squad. Yeah, I thought both of them, again, you know, they took what the defense was giving them. Uh, were really confident with their outside shooting. And then you, you could see Reagan uh, really shows a lot of growth tonight, you know, on her drives her attacks to the rim you know she used the rim as protection uh she got into them you know she, she used some shot fakes i uh, got to the free throw line again so um she's only a sophomore but she continues to grow and get better 
That was Akron Zips head coach Melissa Jackson on Molly Neitzel and Reagan Bass's importance to this program. Mitch, I want to start with you. I'm going to pose a similar question to what I posed for the men's team. Who would you say right now is more important to the Zips women's basketball team, Reagan Bass or Molly Neitzel? As of right now, I would have to say Neitzel is important. I think she's got the hot hand. She's doing amazing scoring-wise. And I, I'm i going to skip past you know the next game that we're about to talk about because I think that was a large outlier for every single player on the women's squad. But as of talking, who would I rather have on the team if I had to pick one? I would go with Neitzel. Matt? Uh, I'd agree. And I'd also go with Molly Neitzel in this situation. I mean, when it comes down... Uh, in you know crunch time at this point of the season, uh, you need to know who your best player is, and I believe that's Neitzel. She's your consistent scorer. You need a bucket, you draw up a play for her. I think right now she is the most valuable player on the Zips women's basketball team. I would absolutely agree. Molly Neitzel obviously has the veteran leadership aspect of this team. She's been around longer. Her sister Colleen was here to mentor her for a while. As I do think Reagan Bass is very important, don't get me wrong. However, Molly Neitzel has more of the veteran presence that is needed for the Akron Zips right now. But hey, moving into our next women's basketball game, which I really, really struggle to talk about today. The Kent is not a state. Golden Flashes beat the Akron Zips on the road by a score of 87-46. to 46. Absolutely throttled the Akron Zips yesterday. Very, very, very disappointing look after such an impressive win versus Eastern Michigan. What do you guys take away from this matchup? Well, they nearly doubled our score. Uh, I'm just going to relay some depressing numbers to you guys really quick. Let's hear it. Uh, Three of the four quarters that game, we scored 10 or less. First and third quarter, we scored 10. Fourth quarter, we scored six. Yeesh. We took 41 shot attempts compared to Kent State's 67. We were 13 of 41 from the field. Kent was 36 of 67. Kent State had 23 points off turnovers and 42 points in the paint. That means if you were to take away all of their shots that did not come, if you took away all their points that came outside of the paint, they still almost would have beat us. That is quite embarrassing i i know that was really sad i was really hoping because when we played him in the jar we lost by two well, nobody like, likes kent so you always want to beat kent i i really thought this was going to be a revenge game and then we just we did that oh mitch you have any similar thoughts to that or response to matt's statistics there well i am taught <laughs> and i've been taught throughout my whole life if you have nothing nice to say you say nothing <laughs> at all so I think that's what I'm going to go with here because there's not anything remotely nice to say about the performance against Kent State. So I'm just going to keep quiet on this one. You know what's crazy to me too is when you look at Kent State's stats, they didn't have any players that were like absolutely explosive in this game. Their leading scorer was Katie Schumann with 18 points, followed by Corinne Hauser with 17. They spread the floor pretty well is what I'm seeing from the box score. And if you flip over to the Akron Zips, it was, like we've said, the Molly Neitzel and Reagan Bass show. And not even, I wouldn't even call that a show. 14 points from Molly Neitzel, 11 points from Reagan Bass, and the next closest was Dominique Camp with six. The Akron Zips had a very tough time down 76 
oh, yesterday. Yeah. yeah, that was that was brutal, man. That was brutal. I mean, and then you said Kent State, they were very well-rounded offensively. I mean, when every time you drive into the paint, it's a free layup. Pretty much everyone can score, and pretty much everyone did. They had 10 players score yesterday. See, that's where you know there's an issue. Yeah. Because there shouldn't even be 10 players getting into the game in a college matchup. Well, they played 13. Oof. Yeah, they Oof. cleared They cleared the bench. I mean, we gave them every opportunity. So, I mean, we had 18 turnovers. So moving forward, yeah. what do the Akron Zips do to improve? Because you have to find a way to improve off that, especially at this point in the season heading into the MAC tournament. Here's the thing. I don't think it could get much worse than that. I think just by default, it's the next game's going to look better because you're not going to let up nearly 90. And I hope to God you don't let up 42 points in the paint in your very next matchup. If that's a continuous problem, then just uh, any hopes you have of the MAC tournament, just kiss them goodbye. You know, and the Akron Zips were one of my teams that heading into the MAC tournament might be successful, but now... I'm starting to reconsider, but hey, I'm kind of finished talking about this game. I don't know if you guys are. I don't really want to elaborate more on Kent State beating us in any aspect. So before we head into our break, let's preview the Akron Zips' next matchup. First, that's Lido Rockets, just like the men's team. That one is on Wednesday at 7 o'clock at home. Jam the jar. What do you guys expect coming off a major blowout loss like yesterday's? Yeah, I think... Anything in this game has to be better than the performance against Kent Reed, Kent Wright. But Toledo is the number one team in the MAC as far as the women go right now. They're extremely hot. They're twelve and two in division play, twenty one and four overall. And we need to forget about the last game. The wagon wheel's gone. We need to get stops on defense, be way more efficient as far as offense goes, and we need to control the pace of the game. We can't let it get out of hand like it did in this recent game. We have to score a lot more points, and I think there's a chance as so long as we forget about what recently happened and we put our best foot forward. Matt? Remember when I said it couldn't get worse? I completely forgot Toledo was next on the schedule when I said that. It very well can get worse. Kent State is only one spot above you in the MAC conference. Uh, now you're playing a team that is white hot on a nine-game win streak. Yeah, if you if look if they somehow win, I will gladly eat my words on this. But uh, oh boy, oh boy, not looking good for the zippers. Not looking good for the zippers, indeed. I would also agree. I think it could be a tough matchup for the Akron Zips. Heading in to the MAC tournament, you just got to get wins like this. You have to beat teams like these. And I really would love to see this team be successful, but it's just looking a little bit unlikely. But, hey, that's going to take us into our first break. We talked a lot about the Akron Zips men's and women's team. Touched on Joe Moorhead. You're not going to want to miss what we have next. We're going to be recapping Super Bowl 57 and everything that had to do with it, as well as some coaching hires. Lots of football talk for all you football fanatics out there before we head into the dreaded football offseason. Unless you're an XFL or USFL guy, which there are a few of us up here that are. But hey, stick with us on WZIP SPT. You won't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sports Power Talk for our second segment here on today's show. Joining me right now is Matt Permuka. 
Mitch Bates. And I am Logan Congrove, stepping in for evil Mr. Jake Mern this week for Sports Power Talk as your host. And it's time to talk about the National Football League before we head into what some people like to call football nightmare. Not the word that it really is, but I can't say it on air. <laughs> yeah. But hey, the Super Bowl was last Sunday when we were on. The final score ended up being 38-35 to with the Kansas City Chiefs coming away with the win. Unfortunately, I really wanted the Birds to win. What were your guys' picks for the Super Bowl before we even get into it? Now, mine was the Eagles. I remember that specifically because me and you were tied for first place in the WZIP pickups. Yes, sir. And neither of us would make a selection until we saw what the other person did. <laughs> Just so if we each picked the same team, you would automatically win. Uh, I did pick the Eagles, though. Uh, and that pick was looking solid until James Bradbury decided to just grab Juju for dear life. Yeah, I, I, I actually told every single person who asked me, I want the Eagles to win, but I know the Chiefs are going to win. Good analysis. Seeing the script. Seeing the script, indeed. I did pick the Eagles as well. Very unfortunate that they weren't able to come up with the win, especially in the circumstances that it was, which when I say the word circumstances, I'm talking about officiating. And obviously the last two minutes during the Super Bowl of officiating could be considered quite questionable. Mitch, I want to start with you. What did you take away from the officiating in the Super Bowl that may have altered the outcome of this game? I'm going to bring up the most you know, known call from this game, which is the holding call on James Bradbury covering Juju. And me being a guy who played football in high school, I know that most plays there's probably going to be holding and the factor is how well do you hide it and will the refs call it in a big game like this it it's debatable what the line is between are we going to call holding here and are we going to let them play it out because it's the super bowl and i wasn't as upset with the call as many other people were but I'm also it's the Super Bowl. I think you I don't think the ball was catchable anyways. It flew like five yards past him in the end zone. But the officiating definitely is something that overall definitely needs improvement. Matt. So do we all agree it was a hold? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so if our only argument for not making the correct call is that it's in the Super Bowl, that's not really a good argument. Like it, what if what if we didn't make that call and Patrick Mahomes puts that ball maybe three or four yards shorter and more inside and it looks like maybe Juju could have ran up on it and now we're talking about this as a blatant no call that might have robbed the Chiefs of a go ahead touchdown. Like if our only argument is that a correct call made by officials in the biggest game of the year at the most important moment decided the most important game correctly. I don't really understand what the outrage is. The officials did their job here. We always complain that refs cost teams games. And yeah, they cost the Eagles the Super Bowl, but James Bradbury admitted it was a hold. It was the right call. I I don't get the fake outrage. If the player himself is admitting that it's a hold, I don't think it's necessary for the entire fan base to throw a party and riot at the refs. Yeah, I... I agree, because, Matt, I didn't really think about it that way, because if you were to flip the situation, then you're right. It would be everybody saying, oh, the Chiefs got robbed. The Chiefs got robbed. So 
I guess, yeah, I, I, I'm losing faith in the argument that it was... Like, we're complaining about a correct call here. We are, like, we always complain the refs have no calls. How often we, like, complain about, like, missed pass interference calls or, like, oh, his foot was out of bounds, but the ref called him in. Like, we're complaining about a correct call. Like, am I the only one that sees the irony in this? Because I feel like if I said that on Twitter, like, I would get ratioed by everybody. Yeah, you can't win with NFL fans, which is what I'm starting to realize as I continue to tune in. You cannot win. There's always going to be something to complain about, whether it goes this way or that way. It's always going to be something. Absolutely. And, hey, while we're on the topic of this holding call, Juju Smith-Schuster, the receiver, who admitted that well, who said he was held, and then James Bradbury admitted that he did hold him after, right after the game. This wasn't even, like, that long after. It was right after the game. On Valentine's Day, Juju Smith-Schuster tweeted a fake va- Valentine's Day card with a picture of James Bradbury. It says, I'll hold you when it matters most. To, from. And Juju Smith-Schuster said, Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. And he received an abrupt response from Eagles wide receiver A.J. Brown saying, First off, y'all, des- congratulations. Y'all deserve it. This is lame. You was on the way out the league before Mahomes restructured your career on your one-year deal, TikTok boy. He admitted that he grabbed you, but don't act like you're like that or ever was. But hey, congratulations again. What do you guys make of this little Twitter argument that we have going on here? All right, so do you want to hear the irony from like my perspective at least? Yes. Uh, after the Super Bowl, like, you know, Juju's kind of been linked to, like, the Browns potentially signing him in the offseason. And I was thinking to myself, you know, he's really not done anything stupid online as of late. Maybe I wouldn't hate it if we signed him. And then I open Twitter immediately after I say that thought out loud. And I see that. It's 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 incredibly ironic there. I, I really... In- inc- incredibly classless, I believe. I mean, yeah, you got the ring. I mean, but... He did nothing in the entire playoff run, and, you know, he is known for his TikToks, so. And, you know, immediately following that tweet, Juju Smith-Schuster quoted it and said, Glad you were able to finally get that off your chest after all these years. Good game, bro, with a ring emoji. Mitch, what do you take away from this? The lack of humbleness by Juju Smith-Schuster is astonishing, considering he is, like, one of the forgotten receivers in the Chiefs wide receiver corp this year. I mean, I would I would argue that Juju had little to no role into getting to the Super Bowl. And in the big game, he wasn't even the best receiver on the team. You're the receiver that got held. I don't know why that warrants you to brag over someone like A.J. Brown, who had his career season this year, made it to the Super Bowl, and... I don't know what the getting off the chest thing was, but for me, it was just classless. There must be something underlying there that we don't know about from the past, but definitely an odd situation. I think we all know if the Chiefs lost that game, Juju would not have said anything. No way. And I think if someone did come at him, he would easily cry victim. I think that's kind of how he is. So as a Browns fan, you mentioned that there was interest in him. I personally do not want him. I don't want him either, but... The, the big thing is the Browns are going to target a slot receiver in either free agency Hopkins. or the draft. Well, he doesn't play the slot, but no, but that that was that's the only reason Juju's even been considered on Browns Twitter and Browns Instagram, uh, just because he does play slot. I mean, he's a slot receiver. Absolutely. Very weird Twitter argument there. 
But hey, sticking with the Super Bowl, another little, I wouldn't use the word conspiracy, but I am going to use the word conspiracy. Patrick Mahomes obviously was injured, visibly injured early in this game with his ankle, which has been bothering him for previous weeks. But then the dude came back out for the second half and was running, was jumping around, and looked like the dude had never been hurt in his life. And there's a lot of conspiracies going around about what happened in that medical room that made Patrick Mahomes be that okay and able to end up dominating this game. Mitch, what do you think is going on here? On record, I am going to make no claims against Patrick Mahomes because I know that's probably not smart. But if you think it makes sense for Patrick Mahomes to be barely able to walk into the arena for the Super Bowl and then it was third or fourth quarter, just take like a 30-yarder straight up the middle, dusting players, looking like he's never been touched. If you think that makes sense, <laughs> that's on you. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me, you know. I'm getting a little bit of juicy vibes for this one. Matt? Hey, look, all I'm saying is a combination of morphine, Rihanna, and just adrenaline. Maybe I understand how he could do it, uh, but, you know, he was high on life and probably morphine, and he has another ring now, so I think it was kind of worth it. He might not be able to walk until March, but... Yeah, yeah, you know, lots of conspiracies out there about it. Patrick Mahomes was 21 for 27 with 182 yards passing and three touchdowns and a 96.4 QBR after visibly injuring his ankle. My opinion on it is... Something went on in that locker room that the NFL will never talk about because nobody wanted to see Chad Henney come into a Super Bowl and lose. I had PTSD. You said Chad Henney, and now I have PTSD from that third and 14. <sighs> Logan, now I'm mad. I'm sorry, Matt. It had to be said. No. <laughs> you know what else had to be brought up? The Rihanna adrenaline boost because that's a real thing. And oh, I yeah, Mitch? Everyone watching felt that Rihanna adrenaline boost. Maybe that gave Patrick Mahomes the power to do what he did. I don't know. So do we think Rihanna did a good job on the halftime show? Uh, considering she was pregnant, yes. Do they, you think her let, show itself was entertaining? Logan, they let a pregnant woman stand on a suspended platform 200 feet above the ground. I think her doing that alone is pretty impressive, let alone having another child inside of her. Like, that is... Yeah. I, hey, I'm not... Look, I think... I got it, a lot of friends it, that listen... Look, it would have been a lot more cool if she wasn't carrying a child. When you're carrying a child, that greatly limits what you can do. For sure. I think if she was not pregnant, we would have seen, you know, throwback to Prime Rihanna, but it didn't get to see it. You know, I'm not going to slander that halftime show at all, despite what my thoughts truly are, because I have too many people that will slander me in return, and I'm just not feeling that today. I'm, I'm feeling like I want to go home and see my family and my friends after this show and they'll have a smile on their face and not say why did you trash talk Rihanna live on the air so I'm not going to do that I'm just not going to do it but I don't want to get too much into the halftime show next I want to talk about the Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts who showed out in this matchup Jalen Hurts had one of his best games of his career and mind you there's only been one Super Bowl MVP from the losing team ever and it's called what there's a name for that Super Bowl isn't there Matt I don't, who who was the Super Bowl? It was the Cowboys and the Baltimore Colts, I want to say. Oh. But it was like there was a name for how bad that Super Bowl was. I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head what it was. But it was a terrible Super Bowl. And somebody, a guy from the Cowboys, 
won, even though they lost. I think that was Super Bowl five. Yes, yeah. Okay. So Jalen Hurts was 27 for 38, 304 yards passing, one touchdown, and a 79.7 QBR. But even Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey argued that Jalen Hurts could have been the MVP in this game. Jalen Hurts also had 15 carries, 70 yards rushing, and three rushing touchdowns. For me, and that's above all of his running backs. Oh, for, yeah. For me, that's very impressive. He was Philadelphia's offense, and... um. You know, I follow a lot of guys at PFF and Football Outsiders and everything and just look at, like, next-gen stats. He was on pace to shatter the EPA and efficiency metric records for the Super Bowl. Uh, then he had that fumble. But if you take away the fumble, his EPA and efficiency metrics would have nearly doubled the wow. second-closest quarterback since they began tracking that in the Super Bowl era. Like, that was probably, like, just... Numbers aside, one of the best performances we'll ever see in a Super Bowl. And it sucks. We're not going to remember it. We're going to remember James Bradbury. If you hand out the award to a losing player, I think if there's any time you want to do it, it was that time. I think it was like set in stone who was going to win it if their team won it, which did happen with the Chiefs. And I think it's pretty unfair because watching Jalen Hurts, it felt like he was the only player you had your eyes on when Philly was on offense. And Patrick Mahomes, some people may have my head for saying this, but I don't think he was that impressive in the Super Bowl as opposed to Jalen Hurts and as opposed to what we've seen recently out of Patrick Mahomes. But I think it was a robbery. I would also agree. I think that Jalen Hurts was much more impressive than Patrick Mahomes was in this matchup. And I guess let me ask you this. If you're a losing player, if you're Jalen Hurts, do you want a Super Bowl MVP for a game that you lost? No. I just don't think that's rewarding. I I wouldn't even want to look at it if I lost, especially in the manner that they lost. You want to know what I want? I want a contract extension. That's, That's what I want. That's what I want after that. I don't want to be reminded of I did good and lost. I want to be rewarded for my good play. So... Eagles, open up the bank. Pay Jalen. Repay me with a nice contract, nice little bonus. That's much, well, these days, it's much more valuable to these players than a little award in the Super Bowl. You know, you can just make it up in M's. I definitely think that I wouldn't want it either. And we have to say that the Jalen Hurts questions about his ability to play in big games are over. There's no more questioning Jalen Hurts. He is a top five quarterback in this league, in my opinion. Oh, definitely. And I'm going to go on air and apologize right now because early on in the offseason, like, I thought Philly had a good roster and Jalen Hurts was my question mark. Yeah, he, he proved me wrong. I'm a full-on Hurts believer. I'm glad I was wrong. Jalen Hurts being good in the league is so much fun to watch. It really is. So I was wrong there. Absolutely. Jalen Hurts... Very impressive game. Another big storyline of this game was the Kelsey brothers. Obviously, Jason Kelly, Kelsey, excuse me, an offensive lineman for the Philadelphia Eagles and Travis Kelsey tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs brothers. Their mother was very involved in the media for the past week. It was a great story, and the reaction for both guys just shows the love and brotherhood that they truly have. Jason Kelsey sought out his younger brother, Travis Kelsey, immediately, said, go celebrate, go celebrate, said to his mom, hey, Appreciate you being here. Go celebrate with Trav. What do you guys make of their relationship and the features that Donna Kelsey got throughout the week? 
I think that's one of the coolest things about this game and about football in general. Because when you think about football, and I don't want to, you know, go too deep in on this topic, but you think about DeMar Hamlin and what happened there. The main focus of the NFL was, hey, we're a family. You know, we're all in this together. It's a large group, everybody on the same page at one point in time. And that's that's football family right there. Two brothers in the Super Bowl. And obviously one of them had to take the loss. And it's not the one that I think many people preferred to lose. But it's a really cool thing. It's something that's going to be remembered for a long time. And you got to feel good for the parents, too, because there's literally no loss in that situation for them. All the videos of these two guys after the Super Bowl and leading up to it, their podcast, The New Heights Show, both Cleveland Heights guys, by the way, are it, to me was just super cool to see, and I, I really enjoyed seeing the level of respect that they have for each other. Oh, my mom watched their podcast. My mom does not know anything about football. <laughs> we went to dinner last night. And she goes, did you know two brothers played in the Super Bowl? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, did you know they're from Cleveland? I'm like, yes, mom, I did. And she's like, they're the funniest people ever. She's like, I guess they're, I guess they're on the Chiefs and Eagles, and she was just uh, telling me stories about their podcast, and you know, like they're really cool dudes, really cool set of brothers. I'm glad that they're so close in the league too. I know, uh, much props to Jason there because you know when you lose a Super Bowl, I can only like just to have the integrity to go celebrate your younger brother, redirect your parents to the sibling that you know deserves to be celebrated. Very, very classy thing out of that. Definitely. Hey, sticking with both of our Super Bowl squads, as we head into what I like to call the NFL coaching carousel, both squads were hit with some major coordinator losses almost immediately following the Super Bowl. One of them quite literally following the Super Bowl, starting out with Shane Steichen, who is now the head coach of the Indianapolis Coast, formerly the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. This one was announced before the Super Bowl, but it wasn't finalized until the game was over. I wanted to get your guys' takes on this hire for the Indianapolis Colts, especially with the the opportunity that they may have had to bring Jeff Saturday back. Oh, I absolutely love the Shane Steichen hire for Indianapolis. I'm so glad they did not bring back Jeff Saturday. For the longest time, I thought they were going to bring back Jeff Saturday. But instead, they go with a young a young proven guy. He's going whatever quarterback they decide to bring in this offseason, it's it's going to be very good for that young person because Shane Steichen's great at getting the best out of quarterbacks. Uh, he got Carson Wentz to look competent, and he got Jalen Hurts to be what Jalen Hurts is. So any young quarterback stepping into Shane Steichen's offense in Indianapolis, I have fairly high hopes for them. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, this doesn't happen much on the air, and I'm very excited that every time it does, I, t- I seem to be hosting. After clearing waivers, breaking news, Kevin Love plans to sign with... Let me get the sounder up because I, I got to play it. Kevin Love plans to sign with the eventual 2022 NBA champion, the uh, Miami Heat. The Miami Heats have signed forward Kevin Love after he cleared waivers from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Obviously, we'll get much more into this topic, but he is now a member of the Miami Heat, the Heat culture, the 305. I'm thrilled. You know, I don't. I didn't like him in Cleveland, and to be honest, I'm not sure I like him in Miami, but it's just the fact that something breaking happened with the 2022 eventual champions, the Miami Heat, while we're here on air. Before we get into some other coaching hires, initial reactions from both of you guys on this. You know, I regret showing Logan that update right there, but as far as the signing goes, 
I think it's a pretty solid signing for the Miami team. Bringing Kevin Love, veteran presence. I I'm just, I'm just blown away by Logan's reaction right now. So that's what's on the top of my. I'm mind. geeking. Couldn't have waited 15 minutes. 15. No, minutes. it's breaking. We it, never get breaking news. I know, but like it would have been fairly new news when we were on. I mean, not many shows are live right now. We would have. This would have been prime opportunity, but no, we got to listen to Logan just <laughs> talk about the Heat again. Everyone's favorite. Logan talks about a team no one likes in the region. Everyone's favorite air filler. Woo! Much late. We'll get into that much more later. But Kevin Love is now a member of the Miami Heat. But hey, sticking with the NFL, before we get close to our break, our next, oh, actually, Mitch, what's your take on Shane Steichen as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts? Shane Steichen was a very, very good hire. I I like Jeff Saturday. I think he's – I don't know if he's a really good coach, to be honest, but I like him as a guy and for a mindset for them to establish. But Steichen's definitely a better candidate. He just attended the Super Bowl. They improved their run game massively since he went to Philadelphia, which – I think that's also a very big reason that he's going to Indy because, you know, they have Jonathan Taylor over there, and that's a guy you want to base the offense around, and that's not what happened last year. There would be games where he would get under 20 carries. I think that should never happen with a running back of his stature. But, you know, he also coached one of the best passing attacks in the league. Hopefully Michael Pittman can become a top 10 receiver. I think he has the talent to do that. Overall, it's a very good hire. Next hire we have is this one quite literally happened almost directly after the Super Bowl. And I think Shane Steichen is a great hire as well for the Indianapolis Colts. Actually, before I switch over to this next hire, let's get into very briefly the Jeff Saturday debacle with the Indianapolis Colts. Obviously, he was not the front runner for this position heading into this coaching search. But there were rumors that they really wanted to stick with him. Matt, I want to start with you as kind of a football analytics guy. Obviously, Jeff Saturday is a Pro Bowl player, potential future Hall of Famer, and it's just it didn't work as a head coach. What did you make of how this was handled? Well, he's kind of just going in there to just like supervise because he'd never coached before, and everyone on that staff had no idea. Like they had, they hadn't met Jeff Saturday. Like Jeff Saturday was pretty much there to supervise everyone. Even if they retained Jeff Saturday, their entire staff still would have been gutted because Jeff Saturday was not going to keep any of those guys. Those were all Frank Reich's people. And you know some of them are already uh, following Frank Reich to Carolina. I mean, if you you were going to have to clean house, so you might as well just knock off, you know, the main figurehead too and bring in someone that, you know, has actually coached in the NFL for more than what, 8 games. Yeah. I think it was actually impressive the way that that team fought for Jeff Saturday when he came in there. And they did lose a couple of close games during that run. But I think as far as I, – I never think he was the future plan even when they hired him. And I know they may have wanted to bring him back, but ultimately they knew what they had to do. And that was go get a guy who they can depend on. He's been doing this, and I think they got that guy. But I, I'm i actually impressed with what Saturday was able to do with the amount of doubt that he had and establishing just a we're not out, we're just down mindset in that Colts team. I'm impressed. Absolutely. I think it was very impressive as well for Jeff Saturday, but didn't work out in Indy. Next hire we have, quite literally following the Super Bowl, Howie Roseman told 
defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon that he would be interviewing for the head coaching position for the Arizona Cardinals, and he was given it almost immediately. So he takes over the reins for Cliff Kinsbury with Kyler Murray as your quarterback and a potential DeAndre Hopkins situation on your hands, depending on if he gets traded or not. Initial reactions to this hire. Yeah, the, uh, Howie Roseman told Gannon stay in Arizona. I don't like this hire for Arizona. Uh, it's very known. Philadelphia brought in Vic Fangio, who's now the Dolphins' defensive coordinator, to be a uh, advisor for them. I think a lot of that stuff was Fangio's work this season. I'm curious to see how he'll do when it's just him calling the shots at a much higher level. I think that the defense that he was coaching, it was impressive. There's no denying that at all with the first-place sacks in the league. But also another thing that I think is necessary to bring up is how they are going to let Kyler Murray completely run the offense. They're not going to have that back-and-forth, head-to-head sort of style that they had with Murray and Kingsbury. I'm excited to see where that goes. Absolutely. It could be an interesting situation there. I'm going to agree with Matt. Not my favorite hire there. But the biggest situation before we head into our break is Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs, who is always in head coaching discussions, left for the Washington Commanders for the same position. My take on this is he did this to be the primary play caller. Obviously, he is not in Kansas City. Andy Reid is. What are your reactions to Eric Bieniemy leaving for the same position elsewhere at a lower franchise. I think he really, really wants a head coaching hire. Absolutely. He wants to prove that it's not Mahomes, not Kelsey, and it wasn't Tyree Kill. See, I I really think he's – this is a really ill-advised move. I think he's banking on himself when he could just stay in KC. He, he's eventually going to get a head coaching job. But I think you hurt yourself leaving Mahomes, leaving Kelsey, leaving winning Super Bowls – Arguably, you were already the closest thing to guaranteed a head coaching job, like with making this move or without it. So I respect banking on yourself, but I don't even think it was necessary here. And it's a really good move for Washington, don't get me wrong, because that's definitely the type of guy you want in your building. He's going to try to make the most of what he has, which isn't much aside from McLaurin, but... It's. I don't really think it was necessary, and it didn't make much sense to me seeing it. I thought he would already take a head coach position this offseason, but... Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I think Eric Bieniemy is a definite head coaching candidate, and I think he's just being overshadowed due to the fact that he's not the primary play caller. I think this move could absolutely really help him or really hurt him. It will remain to be seen heading into next season. But, hey, guys, that's going to do it for our NFL talk as we head into our second hour. Next up, we got Cavaliers and we got Hot Mike and maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit NASCAR, which is something new here on Sports Power Talk. But, hey, you're not going to want to miss it nonetheless. So stick with us right here on 88.1 WZIP. Welcome back to Sports Power Talk for our second hour of this this afternoon's show. And it's Cavaliers time. It's hot mic time. It's one of my favorite segments of the day. And joining me right now is Matt Permuka, Mitch Bates. And once again, I am your host, Logan Congrove. For today's edition, instead of evil evil Mr. Jake Murren, excuse me, I couldn't even say it because, you know, he's a cool guy, I guess. But moving on to our next topic, which is the Cleveland Cavaliers starting off Quickly going over a 117-109 to win on Monday over the San Antonio Spurs. And then 
We're going to elaborate a little bit more on this one, which is a loss to the 76ers right before the All-Star break. Final score of 118 to 112. A little bit of a disappointing loss there. Although Evan Mobley had a great showing. He had 23 points and Darius Garland at 27. Donovan Mitchell led with 33. Tough, Tough game for the Cavaliers here, guys. What did you make of this matchup? Yeah, there were a lot of sloppy habits we had that let San Antonio stick around for a bit. Uh, but I do want to give a shout-out to uh, St. Vincent, St. Mary's own, uh, just make sure I'm saying his name right, Keldon Johnson. You mean Malachi Brandon? Oh, my God, I said it wrong. Malachi Brandon? Malachi Brandon was the one that went to St. Vincent, St. Mary's. I saw Keldon Johnson because he was the leading scorer. On <laughs> Malachi Brandon, indeed. Malachi Brandon, St. Oh, my God, I'm sorry. You Malachi. got it, Brandon. Branham, Malachi Branham. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, he's the second leading scorer. I thought he was the leading scorer. So when I clicked on it from that way, it brought up Keldon Johnson. And I'm like, that's not right. You got no. it. But St. Vincent, St. Mary's own Malachi Branham, starring, you know, having a very good night in his hometown. Shout out to Akron Zone. Sorry, I got your name confused. <laughs> yeah, well, as far as the Sixers game went, you know, the, that was pretty upsetting to watch. Uh, And it was a tough watch until the second half, definitely. The Sixers had a 28-point lead at a certain point, and the Cavs began to come back. The Sixers held them off, and Bede had a really good night. And you never want to lose to top teams in the East because there are chances to prove ourselves. But, you know, better luck next time. Absolutely. It was a bit of a rough showing in the beginning from the Cavaliers, a little bit of first-half woes. Matt, what do you credit that to? I really don't know. I I don't want to call it the moment being too big because we've had a lot of primetime games this year for the Cavs. We've beaten Boston on national TV. We beat Memphis on national TV. Uh, You know, I just... Evan Mobley kind of looks shell-shocked. It just seems like our bigs do not have any sort of answer for Joel Embiid. Uh, You know, uh, Embiid has about 50 pounds on Jared Allen. Uh, You know, Mobley's still young and frail before he grows into his body. There's really just... I, I don't know. I really do not know how you get down 27 in that half. I I wish I had an answer, man. Evan Mobley looked like he was getting absolutely bullied in the paint early on. Oh, Joel Embiid just bullies our centers. I remember even last year, like, uh, he, even last year he had Allen's number, he had Mobley's number, and there was one game where Allen and Mobley were both injured and Markinen had to guard Embiid, and that was even worse. Like, we just match up very poorly with Philly. Absolutely. That's going to be the big story as we try to push our way through the entire Eastern Conference is how are the big men going to match up with Joel Embiid. It hasn't gone well recently. You hope that Mobley can put it together and Jarrett Allen can start to figure it out. But it this didn't feel good as far as thinking of the playoffs are coming slowly. We There's a very good chance that we're going to have to see this team and it it's not a good omen. I would agree. The Cavs need to definitely come out of the All-Star break with the mentality that they are a championship contender. Because now, with the Nets completely dismantling, there's much more of a chance for the Cavs to be successful in the East. Truly. Oh, oh yeah. Very much so. I mean, I, I don't want to look into this game too much as like a litmus test because... We haven't seen these guys in the playoffs. I think after Kevin Love's gone, we only have three people on the roster. No, sorry, four people on the roster with playoff experience. That's Donovan, Ricky, Danny Green, and Jetty Osman. You know, we don't know how these guys are going to do in the postseason when it comes to that. So I really, 
I, I don't want to project the regular season onto the playoffs because the playoffs are just in itself the biggest uncertainty with this team. Absolutely. Heading into the playoffs and after the All-Star break, it'll be a, hopefully a good story for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Speaking of good story for the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Cavs brought home one of their old guys. Although we did lost, we do watch Kevin Love depart literally minutes ago. We did bring back another former Cavalier from the olden days, and that is Danny Green. Danny Green is back as a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and he did play in this Philadelphia matchup, played 12 minutes, was one for four and three points, which, all right, whatever, it was your first game, I'm not worried, but it was really, it's good to see him back as a Cavalier. The fact that we even threw him into the game, we we gave up so early, and then we remembered how to play basketball in the second half, and it's like... That, that whole game in itself is an enigma. But, you know, I'm glad Danny Green's back. I think Cavs fans have been screaming at the top of their lungs for a shooter all season. And I think that uh, this fills that role perfectly. You know, I don't know how much time he's going to get. I mean, I think our rotation is fairly decent. Is he going to be the eighth or ninth guy in the rotation? I don't know. But all we really need from him is 10 to 15 minutes a night, a couple three-point attempts, make most of them. The player prototype and the stylistic factor in Danny Green is exactly what the Cavs needed. So I'm very satisfied in that regard. What I need to see from him now is is consistency. We can't keep doing one for three from threes, one for four from the field. And it was his first game with us. I'm not holding him there to that standard. But you're going to want a couple threes from this guy. That's what they brought him in for. And the rotation that they go with in the future is going to be interesting. But I think this is a very solid pickup for the Cavs, and hopefully he gets on his three-point run here. Absolutely. Definitely a very solid pickup for the Cavs. Another thing, before we move away from Cavaliers talk and talk about Kevin Love specifically, one thing that concerned me from this 76ers matchup is Karis Levert. Karis Levert played 28 minutes, was 2-for-3 shooting, had 5 points. Do you want to know something, though? Karis LeVert had the highest plus-minus on the Cavs that And that's majorly concerning. He had plus 14. (laughs) So Karis LeVert is obviously, he was in trade talks, but we didn't trade him. So I guess he's a key piece to the Cavaliers right now. What do you make of Karis LeVert's performance versus the 76ers? I don't know if there really is much to look into this. I, I don't know. I mean, he was, he was your sixth man. He played the sixth most minutes. Uh, you know, scoring-wise, I mean, he didn't take many field goal attempts. I mean, he took, only took three. I mean, we always complain Karis LeVert's chucking up too many shots, and now we're complaining he only took three? I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I feel like we're just trying to yell at this guy. <laughs> Mitch? I think with Karis LeVert, I've been... I you can't deny that you've been a little disappointed this year, but this it's been like the past couple of games since we played Chicago where Karis LeVert has just been a complete non-factor and yelling at him and getting on his case a little too much. I I don't think that's necessary here. I don't know how much of a role he's playing in the large Cavaliers picture overall, but I mean he's been doing this for a little bit of time now and I, I don't even know how to feel about it, to be honest. Yeah, rough performance from Karis LeVert here. Moving into our final topic about the Cavaliers, before we hit the Kevin Love news, what do you guys think the Cavs need to do when we return from the All-Star break 
to be successful. Mitch, I'll start it with you. What is it that the Cavs must focus on? The biggest focus for the Cavaliers, in my eyes, treat yourself like a championship team. We don't care about you making the playoffs or, you know, we're not the Cleveland Browns fans in this aspect. You know, we don't care about just simply making the playoffs. We want to see the Cavs make a legitimate playoff run. And I think that starts with how you treat yourself, you know. We got to take every game like it is a playoff game. We have to treat ourselves like we're the number one seed, even if we're not, you know. And we have to absolutely lock in. The big men need to, as we mentioned earlier, start to step up and take accountability. We need to help out uh, Donovan Mitchell in the scoring aspect. And I think if we hold ourselves to a higher standard than we are right now, that will definitely assist us as the season wraps up. Matt? Well, I think just simply win the games you're supposed to win. You have 21 games left. By today's current standings, 12 of those 21 games are against teams below 500. You win 12 of those games, that puts you at 50 wins right there, something you have not done since LeBron was here. And then you have nine games against teams above 500. Win a couple of those. You're at 54 wins right there. Maybe put you in a top three seed. And you need to you need to look at this in a way. You need to give yourself a favorable round one matchup. And I would much rather play. I would much rather be the four seed and match up against the Brooklyn Nets or the New York Knicks or, the, or not even the Heat than I would to be the third seed and play the Miami Heat or somehow be stuck playing the Philadelphia 76ers. I think, look, I think strategically you need to place yourself against teams you want to play. I, For sure. I understand having the best possible record, but if having, if having the three seed puts you against a experienced Miami Heat team in the first round as you are the most inexperienced team in the playoffs, I think that does more harm than good. So I think win what you're supposed to win and play your cards right. I would agree. I think the Cavs need to place themselves accordingly. And like you said, inexperienced roster. They need to find a way to make themselves feel experienced. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell is an experienced guy. You have, that's it. That, no, that him, now that Kevin Love is off the roster, like, that's Jetty, it. Jetty Osman played eight minutes in the 2018 NBA Finals. Uh, other than that, you know, I mean, Ricky Rubio and Danny Green have played in some yeah, but, games, but I mean, like, I understand what you're saying. Donovan Mitchell's the only one with significant playoff time. You know, I alluded to playoffs are the biggest question mark with this team. We don't know how Darius performs in the playoffs. We don't know how running two undersized guards in the playoffs is going to go. We don't know how Evan Mobley will do in the playoffs, and we don't know how playing two seven-footers goes in the playoffs. There's so many unknowns with this Cavs team. I think round one is going to be watching a completely new team for the first time because in a way it is. Definitely. That's going to do it for our talk about the Cavaliers, sort of, because now we're going to talk about Kevin Love, who is now a former Cavalier and a member of the Miami Heat as of moments ago. Kevin Love was bought out by the Cleveland Cavaliers and is the last member of the 2016 squad to make his exit very weird feeling. What do you guys make? Before we get into his signing with the Miami Heat and how that affects the league, let's talk about how this affects the Cavaliers and how this affects Kevin Love exiting from a franchise that he loves so much. Well, I mean, the Cavs said they're retiring his number. They I don't, should. I don't think there really is many burned bridges within Cleveland. I think this move kind of shows they both respected one another. And I think he's leaving on a positive note. You know, people look at him highly. 
you know, if you go back to, you know, during the LeBron era, Kevin Love was always the one that's talked about as the trade piece, or everyone was always complaining about Kevin Love. And he kind of re- he completely reshaped his image in Cleveland, uh, just as how the fans view him. And I'm going to miss him for that. I'm going to miss him for, you know, I have a couple of my favorite moments when he was the baby in the State Farm commercials and he and <laughs> Damian Lillard were rapping. Uh, his outlet pass to LeBron against the Wizards in 2017. Then LeBron yep. hit that crazy turnaround three. Uh, you know, walking out of the uh, plane after winning the finals, he has the two champions belts he bought in Vegas. Uh, and then, you know, the like, you know, this one's not really looked as a positive. I, I loved it when he went off on Colin Sexton. As someone that wasn't the biggest Colin Sexton fan, when I watched that live, I did laugh. So I'm going <laughs> to miss Kevin Love for never failing to entertain me. I think missing Kevin Love at this point doesn't have much to do with the current status of the basketball team. I think this was the right move. I think it was necessary. It simply made sense, but when you're talking about looking at his whole career with Cleveland, it is a little sad, you know, and to not have any of the three with Kyrie, LeBron, and Kevin Love, and not even Tristan Thompson, and... I remember hearing Tristan Thompson saying something about bringing the band back together. That was funny. He didn't even include Kevin Love in that. But, you know, it just it made sense as a basketball move. But as a Cavs fan, it kind of hurt a little bit. You know, I agree. In a basketball sense, it, it affects nothing at this point. But in a leadership sense and a value to the franchise sense, it is definitely a, a loss for the Cavaliers. And I also agree with Matt's take that, he stepped away on a positive note, which is very hard sometimes for our superstars to do. I think it's good that Kevin Love is on a mutual respect basis with the Cavaliers, and it's good that they're going to retire his number for sure. So moving into Kevin Love's new destination, which is the Miami Heat, and I'm gonna, I'll give my thoughts at the end, but I want to push it to you guys first. What do you think that this does for the league, and what does this do for the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference? Uh, congratulate, uh, congratulations on adding a defensive liability to a team that prides itself on its defense. Congratulations. <sighs> Matt, I'm going to go to Mitch first before I start talking. Yeah, I don't, as a basketball team, I don't see this being the most major move. He This season when he did play, as Matt said, defensive liability really offers not much scoring on the offensive end except inconsistency. It's not my favorite move for any team, and Logan's Miami Heat happened to make it. So, Yeah, like I just mentioned, I have a lot of respect for Kevin Love and what he did for Cleveland. But as a Miami Heat fan, I don't like this move either. I'm with Matt. I talked about this last week with Pat. I talked about this with Lana. I just don't like the move. I think Kevin Love, like you mentioned, is a defensive liability. I think Kevin Love doesn't bring anything to the table to to the Miami Heat's roster that makes any form of difference other than veteran leadership, which they don't need. They have Jimmy Butler, who is a veteran. Bam Adebayo at this point is a veteran. You guys clown me every time I say it, but you still have UD on the bench who can talk about being in the playoffs can talk about veteran leadership. I'm not saying he contributes anything other than that. I'm just saying that veteran leadership is not something that the Miami Heat lack. So if that's the reason they brought him in, I don't get it. If they brought him into a defensive rotation, I don't get that either. He's on the back end of his career, and I just don't really understand the move. 
and I don't think it helps us win a championship. The only thing that will help us win a championship is the culture will get us there. The heat culture will get us there. That's what matters. You were doing so well, and then you said the buzzword. You know, one more time for the people in the world that need to hear it. Culture yeah. will get us there, so okay. it doesn't matter. doesn't matter I mean, who's on the floor. Exactly. The culture will get us there. It doesn't matter who's on the floor. Still going to be Heat Kings in the NBA Finals, regardless of Kevin Love being on the roster or not, especially with Tyler Hero's terrible performance last night in the three-point contest and Kevin Huerter's terrible performance from the Kings. Still going to be Heat Kings. But you know what, guys? We are going to wrap up our Kevin Love talk and our Miami Heat talk, our NBA talk, for now, as it is time for everybody's favorite segment here on Sports Power Talk. It is time for Hot Mike here on Sports Power Talk. So let's get right into the questions today, starting off with Zachary Stratton. He says he has two questions for us. He says there's been some chatter of potentially trading Nick Chubb this offseason. If you absolutely had to move him, what return would you want? Matt, I'll start with you because I saw you quite literally perk up when I read that question. I need a first or I need a second and a third. Mitch? I need a first-round pick. There's no getting around that for Nick Chubb. I need a first-round pick, and I need a player to replace him. I'm serious. Like, Browns have a great running back room, but Nick Chubb is, in my opinion, always in contention to be the number one. Excuse me, number one running back in the NFL, regardless. So I need at least one first-round pick, and I need somebody to replace him back in that deal. And Zach's second question is, I'm going to definitely pitch this one to Matt because I don't really have much of an answer for this, and I know Mitch doesn't have an answer for this. No disrespect, Mitch. You'll laugh as soon as I read the question. Can you take a guess what sport this is in in uh, range with? I'm going to assume you're talking about baseball. And you'd be correct. And the question is, Marcus Stroman offered Tristan McKenzie another Rolex if he has a 3.30 ERA or less in 190-plus innings this season. Can he do it? I mean, if he wants a rolly, he can. Depends how much he wants that watch. I would hope so. I think I think Sticks is in for a good year, so I'll say yes. Be a good year for Sticks, indeed. Next question comes in. It's not even really a question. It comes in from our sports director, Jake Murren, who is out this week. And it says, not a question, but shout-out to the Atkinson's baseball and softball programs for getting wins on opening day together for the first time in seven years. We're approaching the best time of the sports calendar year with a baseball emoji. You know, I absolutely disagree with that last one. I think it is the worst time of the calendar year for sports. Now, spring is the best time of the sports year because we have NBA playoffs, March Madness, and the Masters, not baseball. Spring is the best time for a different reason. So the Akron Zips baseball team started out with a 1-2 and two record, but their first win was 14-12 to 12 over Western Carolina. Then they lost 1-6 to six to Western Carolina and then lost 6-11. to 11. But starting off with a great 14-12 to 12 win for the Zips, it's going to be a great season for them. And then for the Zips softball team, they are starting out at 2-2 two and two with a win over Creighton 4-0 to zero, and a loss to Texas A&M Commerce 3-7, to seven, a loss to Tarleton State 3-4, to four, and a win over Creighton once again 4-3. to three. Great starts for both the Akron Zips baseball and softball team. It'll be a great season ahead. Excited to watch and cover you guys here on Sports Power Talk and at WZAP. Thank you, Jake, for that tweet. Next up, we have Dev, one of our members here at WZIP Sports. And he says, where is Derek Carr going to land? Mitch, I'll start with you. 
for Derek Carr, my personal, what I would like is the New Orleans Saints. I know he's already been there twice. I know he's been talking to them. I've also heard that he's talking to the New York Jets. But I think New Orleans is the type of team that could use him right now. They need a solidified number one quarterback. You know, Jameis Winston, there's been questions about him. I don't think I classify Taysom Taysom Hill as a quarterback anymore at this point. And Andy Dalton, there's no ceiling on Andy Dalton. He's been at the top of his game. We know what he's going to give you, and I don't think he can produce past a first-round playoff, which didn't even happen this year. So I think New Orleans could use him, and I think that's where he should go. Uh, You know, I'll say he'll go to the Jets – If they had even competent quarterback play, I think they make the playoffs this season. So I think they'll throw a bunch of money at him. I think Derek Carr will happily go to New York. I think Derek Carr will also end up in New York with the Jets. I think it's a good fit for them, especially considering they say they're not moving on from Zach Wilson, but we know they're not sticking with Zach Wilson. Next question comes in from everybody's favorite WZIP sports fan, except mine, and that is Jake Murn, a GOAT. And his first question is, who would win in a 3v3 basketball game between the Antetokounmpo brothers and the Ball brothers? Good question, actually. I'll take the brothers that are all seven feet and can dribble. Mitch? I don't think there's any conversation in that one. It is a good question, but I'm going Ball brothers. Ball brothers? Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Explain. Isn't Leangelo still supposed to be in like a Chinese prison or something? <laughs> like, can he even play? <laughs> hey, explain your take on that, Mitch. If if Leangelo is active in this game, which I'm going to assume he is, I I personally think the Ball Brothers could pull it off if they, look, they got to stay outside and they got to just keep There's shooting on Giannis on Antetokounmpo on you, one of these you know, teams. You're right, you're right, you're right. Next question we have. I'm t- also taking the Ande de Kumbo brothers here. Sorry, Mitch. Just random take for you there. Um, I'm going to skip over Jake Murray to go to next question, which is thoughts on NBA All-Star Weekend up to this point, because we are going to get into that in our next segment. I don't want to spoil anything. So next question is, who's better, Logan Congo or Logan Paul? Weird flex, but okay, Jake Murray uh, If you guys want to answer that, go for it. If not, we can skip over it. You, Logan, you're better. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm going to go Logan Congrove all day. Hey, I appreciate it. Hey, your next question, which I haven't answered on air, but, you know, Matt finally told me to just answer it. What do I have to do for a follow, Logan? And here's what you have to do for a follow. You have to not mention my name on Twitter for six weeks straight, and I'm talking in any aspect. And then I will flip a coin live on air that decides if I follow you or not. And You'll just have to wait and see, but you have to not mention me for six entire weeks. And then last question is also an all-star question, which is who's winning all-star MVP from Logan Buchanan, also a member here at WZIP. We will answer that the next segment. But before we go to break, that is going to end our hot mic segment. I want to pitch it over very quickly to Matt Permuka, who wants to talk a little bit about the Daytona 500, which is not something that I don't think has ever been covered here on WZIP. So it's going to be a little bit of a power play in a sense, here from Matt. Take it away. Yeah, I'll try to make this quick. You know, when uh, you join the sports department, Jake asked me, do you like any obscure sports? And I told him, I really like NASCAR. And he looked at me weird. And then I kind of just never brought it up again. But no, today's the Daytona 500. And Logan, you are asking me, is there anything that we could do for a time filler? And I said, yes. And I know NASCAR might not sound like the most entertaining thing for all you listeners, but you know what is? Sports gambling. So here's some Daytona 500 props that I love. As always, 
every NASCAR before you do any NASCAR segment, you got to say doing it for Dale for Dale Earnhardt. <laughs> so we're doing this for Dale. Bets I love. All right, this all falls under to finish in the top ten. Bubba Wallace plus one twenty, great racer at super speedways. I take Bubba Blaney at minus one twenty five. I'm he's going to be Brian Blaney. I've also bet on him to win the race outright. Ohio Zone, incredible racer at Daytona. I think this is this is it. If you want an upset pick, Corey LaJoy to finish top 10 at plus 400. He had a great speed weeks, very fast in the dual races, great restrictor plate racer. And then the man starting on pole, Will Byron, is my final pick to finish in the top 10 at plus 130. Uh, He's starting on pole, very fast car in qualifying. He's going to be leading early today. Hopefully he can stay up front. Uh, I already spoiled one of them. Ryan Blaney is my favorite bet to win outright at plus 1,200. Bubba Wallace is another one I'm throwing money on at plus 1,800 to win outright. And just some more miscellaneous bets to place on this race. Uh, uh, I'm putting my uh, words. I'm putting my money on no driver to win two or more stages in the race. That's at minus 280. And for the starting position of the race winner, I am placing money on positions 11 through 20, which pays at plus 150. Matt, what an awesome segment. I'm actually, I'm thrilled that that worked the way I wanted to because... I ran through that, man. It was speed. Speed, just like NASCAR. Buggity, 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 boys. Let's go on racing. (laughs) And go on racing, indeed. The Daytona 500 coming up. Thank you for that analysis, Mr. Matt Permuka. But hey, that's going to do it for our Hot Mike Cavaliers and NASCAR segment. Stick with us for the final 30 minutes of our show. We're going to be getting into everything NBA All-Star and playing a little bit of a game at the end. You will not want to miss it. Stick with us right here on Z88. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back for our final segment of this afternoon's show, it's going to be a great one. It's NBA All-Star time. If you haven't been listening, joining me right now is... Mitch Bates. And NASCAR officiato Matt Permuka. Indeed, NASCAR officiato Matt Permuka. And I am Logan Congrup. I am your host for this afternoon's show. Guys, let's get right into the NBA All-Star game talk. And we will play a little bit of the game, a little bit of a game at the end. We're also going to get our Around the Root question out. You won't want to miss it. I'll explain what that is if you're not an avid Sports Power Talk listener. But hey... Let's get right into it. Starting off with a little bit of more random, quick NBA news. Obviously, the trade deadline was last week after the big moves were made. Michael Bridges dropped 41 points in his Brooklyn debut. He seemed visibly sad that he had to leave Phoenix, and he sure showed it on the floor. What did you guys make of Michael Bridges' Brooklyn Nets debut? You know, usually there's an adjustment period where players kind of try to learn their role, and, you know, they're really passive and hesitant at first. And then he just started shooting the ball. He completely broke that mold, so... Fun to watch. Fun to watch, definitely. Yeah, it's a completely different team now, and he's the one who has the number one role, you could argue, on that team. I think it's going to continue to happen like this, and I'm excited for what Bridges brings to this Nets team in the future. Do you think he has the number one role over Ben Simmons? You know? Well, one of them's afraid to shoot a layup. You got me there. (laughs) You got me. I don't know, Mitch, because I'm going to agree with you. Because I, I think the Nets are going to move on from Ben Simmons at some point. It doesn't look like they really want him to be their featured player. They wanted him to compliment James Harden, or not James Harden, excuse me. They wanted him to compliment Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Now they're gone. And now you're stuck with Ben Simmons, who doesn't remember how to play basketball 90% of the time. Nope. So, yeah, 
Great adjustment for Michael Bridges very early. I think he'll be a key piece for the Brooklyn Nets. Sticking with the Brooklyn Nets in a sense, Kevin Durant was introduced by the Phoenix Suns a few days ago. And in his presser, he was asked about his time in Brooklyn. And he cried. He teared up and said, quote, those were some of the best four years of my career. They helped me through so much when I'm coming off my Achilles. And that's where he left it. He started to tear up and everybody clapped. Do you guys buy that Kevin Durant f- is upset about his time in Brooklyn? No, I don't think he's upset. I think he really appreciated it because I think the longest time, Kevin, it was kind of known Kevin Durant wanted to be in New York at some capacity, whether that was uh, just the Knicks or the Nets. So I, I do think that satisfied something he really did want to do. And I do think he has appreciation for it. But when it came apparent, he wasn't going to advance his legacy and his career there. I think it was kind of known that he had to move on. So I do think he's appreciative of his time there. I, I do think that was genuine. Matt covered most of the points that I was going to bring up. I think that Kevin Durant... We know that there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes, and if you're not looking behind the scenes, you're just seeing, oh, this is an absolute disaster. Ben Simmons is terrible, and Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant didn't work out, and someone's always injured, no one's playing games together. But, you know, there is a whole four years that Kevin Durant spent there going through a lot of different things, and I do kind of feel sad for him, but also excited for him because now he's got a whole new journey, and he's got a powerhouse of a team, so... Absolutely. I think Kevin Durant fits very well in Phoenix. I do think he's probably just looking back on it. That team was expected to win at least one championship, and he probably is a little just taken back that it didn't happen. Look, if his foot was a size smaller, man, he's not Mm -hmm. on the line against Milwaukee. They win that game and regulation, and they probably beat Phoenix in the finals. Yeah, I think you're right. Definitely a sad ending for the Brooklyn Nets, quote-unquote, big three. That's going to do it for our random NBA news, as I like to call it. You know what it's time for now? It's time for All-Star Saturday Night Recap. And this year's Saturday night, other than the dunk contest, which we'll get into, was not impressive to me, to be honest with you. I Starting out with the skills challenge, or excuse me, the Rising Stars challenge. The Rising Stars challenge, when this was on Friday night. I did enjoy the Rising Stars Challenge. I don't know about you guys. That was fun. They didn't give the ball to Mobley, though. They didn't let Mobley. No. He's the best player on that court, man. Donovan Mitchell's courtside wearing Mobley's All-Star jersey. But, you know, didn't want to let him showcase his talents. So, In in regards to the game, what did you guys take away from entertainment value of the Rising Stars game, whether Mobley was the focal point or not? I think it's more competitive than the All-Star game. It's nice to see these young players, you know, try to play basketball and, you know, make a bit of a name for themselves on a national stage. But, I mean, you know, I could still take it or leave it. I enjoy watching the Rising Stars Challenge, the game overall. I think it is a really cool concept that I think even, like, the NFL could take something out of. And I enjoy watching young players who are going to be in the All-Star game in the future show off their skills. They're definitely trying a little harder than the All-Stars are, but... It was exciting, and I just appreciate it for what it is. Absolutely. It was a 20-25 to game, and you're right, Evan Mobley didn't really get the attention that we were looking for as Cavalier fans. But before we get into the Saturday night games, another thing that happened on Friday night was the Celebrity Game, which this is always interesting every year to me. And 
This year's MVP was Seahawks wide receiver DK Metcalf. Mitch, I see you over there smiling. Let's hear from you first. What did you take away from DK Metcalf's performance in the celebrity game? I took away absolute dominance. That's how a Seahawk is supposed to do it against a bunch of celebrities. DK Metcalf was dunking all over the place. He had four blocks in the game. He's just he's just representing the Seahawks very well, as he should. Twelves, let's go, baby. Am I the only one that thinks that's incredibly unfair? Like the celebrity game's supposed to be for like that's supposed to be for like Jimmy Kimmel and Paul Rudd to go one on one, not some six six NFL wide receiver who's two hundred forty pounds going up against like Guermo. Like that doesn't seem fair to me. Am I the only Guermo one? was eating a pizza on the on the bench. We love Guermo. If they ask us, we show up. That's all I have to say. But like he's DK's a pro athlete. Like. I think we, we got to have, like, the DK amendment to who's allowed into this thing now because that just wasn't fair. You know, and in regards to your comment, Matt, I'll read off the rosters for these games for those of you who didn't, wa- who didn't watch. Team Ryan, which was Utah Jazz Governor and Honorary Captain Ryan Smith as on the roster. Kane Brown, five-time American Music Award winner. Corday, a rapper. Diamond DeShields, WNBA All-Star with the Phoenix Mercury. Calvin Johnson, former NFL player. You don't know who that is, then you shouldn't be listening to the show. I forgot Megatron was in there. Marcus Mion, TV host, The Miz from Cleveland, Albert Pujols of MLB, Everett Osborne, an actor, Ozuna, rapper, Guillermo, ABC's Jimmy Kimmel Live correspondent, Cinco Walls, actor, and then Team Dwayne. Dwayne Wade was the captain, is now a minority owner of the Utah Jazz, which is why this matchup was picked. Nikki Jam, a Latin global music icon, Jester content creator, Simu Liu, actor, Hassan Minaj, comedian, DK Metcalf, NFL, Janelle Monet, actress, Aria Angumbawale, I apologize if I mispronounced that, WNBA All-Star with the Dallas Wings, 21 Savage, rapper and recording artist, Ranveer Singh, Actor and NBA brand ambassador, Francis Tiafe, tennis player, and Alex Toussaint, Peloton coach and Puma athlete. So, yes, in a sense, not even in a sense, you're 100% correct, Matt, that DK Metcalf being in that matchup is absolutely unfair. Guillermo is 5'4". DK Metcalf plays football for a living. <laughs> like, that's, like, there's got to be a rule. Definitely an interesting game. DK Metcalf coming away with the MVP there. Heading into Saturday night. The skills challenge was first on deck, and I hated this skills challenge. I thought it was terrible. The Team Utah Jazz came away, and that consisted of Walker Kessler, Colin Sexton, and Jordan Clarkson. They played against the Anadokumpos, which is Thanasis Anadokumpo, Kostas Anadokumpo, and Giannis Anadokumpo, who did not participate. was replaced by Drew Holiday. And the final team was the Rooks, which was Paolo Bancaro, Jaden Ivey, and Jabari Smith. This was the most unimpressive skills challenge I have watched in years. Dude, the shooting portion was abysmal. Awful. The rookies went, well, the rookies scored four because they made that mid-range shot or whatever. But, like, that was awful. Like, when I watched, uh, well, Holiday and the Atsukupa brothers, I thought, okay, well, they're coming in last. And then they didn't because it somehow got worse than that. So, yeah, very underwhelming. If you want a video to recap that entire challenge, I suggest watching Jordan Clarkson as he goes through his run. Dude looks like he's putting in negative effort. Like the shooting, there's it's just it's unimpressive. I don't think it's a great look. It it was the most boring event of the entire weekend for sure. It's just not impressive at all. 
I and the skills challenge is usually one that I feel is one of the more impressive ones in recent years, and it just felt like they were going to have the Jazz win no matter what because they were the host city, and Colin Sexton looked honestly kind of annoyed at Jordan Clarkson that. Not, I don't think in a literal sense, but he was like, man, what are you doing? Very unimpressive skills challenge. A shooting portion for sure was the worst one. Moving into the three-point contest. Now, this was very good for me. Oh, yeah. But- Except for a few, which there was a few people that I thought were going to do really well that did terrible. Damian Lillard came away with the win here from the Portland Trailblazers wearing his Weber State college jersey. And he was in the final with Tyrese Halliburton, which was not what I expected. Tyrese Halliburton set or tied the Steph Curry's all-time record with 31 in the first round. Absolutely not what I expected. Some of the worst performances were Kevin Werder of the Kings and Tyler Hero of the Miami Heat. Both were awful. But the worst performance was Julius Randle. Not even entirely sure why he was in this contest. If you would have seen the look on his son's face yeah, while saw, he was shooting. Oh, my God. Bleacher Report has it posted. Oh my, His son is like four, and he is visibly disgusted. It's so funny. It was awful. Julius Randle had no no position to be in that. Tyler Hero and Kevin Huerta had terrible performances as well, but Damian Lillard did come away with the win. Finals were, Do- were Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard, and Buddy Heald, two Pacers, on that list. Guys, what did you make of the three-point contest? Well, I didn't think Julius Randle had any place in this contest either. And, you know, I'm a big Julius Randle guy, but I this didn't even make sense to me. And as far as the overall competition went, I had fun watching it. And Damian Lillard was a top pick if you were making bets on it. Halliburton definitely impressed a lot of people who haven't heard much about him or don't know him at all. And tying a record that Steph Curry set, you you can't overlook that. So I was actually impressed, and it was an entertaining event. Like my favorite thing about the three-point contest is that it's the same thing every year, yet everyone is still drawn to it immensely. Like that, it's some, it, it is very hard to have something like that to where you know what you're going to get, but you're still entertained night in and night out. Uh, and, you know, overall, I mean, not much to say. You all saw it. Dame won. I Dame was my pick to win, and he did. Dame was indeed my pick as well. As much as I did want to see Boy Wonder Tyler Hero do well, he did not, and he definitely needs to work on that. I better never see that type of performance in a live game. But then moving ahead from the three-point contest, the NBA dunk contest, which normally I would probably be groaning from the past few years about the NBA dunk contest, but this year's dunk contest was impressive. And honestly, when the roster came out for who was in this dunk contest, I did groan because I didn't think Mac McClung, who at the time was not on an NBA roster. I was like, man, nobody really wants to do this. That They had to get a guy from the G League to do it. But boy, did he prove me wrong. And boy, did this dunk contest prove me wrong. Mac McClung came away with the win. He had two of his three dunks be 50s. The only other one that wasn't a 50, Lisa Leslie decided to randomly give the guy a 49. I'm not sure why. She probably just wanted to be that person to mess up all 50s. But Mac McClung made a name for himself. And if you saw the video with Shaq before, Shaq told him, Mac, nobody knows your name right now. Make them remember your name. And man, I'm going to remember his name and this performance from the rest for the rest of time. This is one of the best dunk contests I've seen in recent years. Mitch, I'll start with you. What's did you make of Mac McClung's performance and the other guys? The other guys in the contest, I should add, were Jericho Sims, KJ Martin, and one of them was so unmemorable that I can't even put my... Was it Jabari? Jabari. No, it wasn't Jabari. 
Who? Why am I tripping on this guy's name? Mac McClung, Jericho Sims, KJ Martin, and Trey Murphy the third, who was in the final. Excuse me, I apologize on that. Trey Murphy the third was the final, who also did a very good job, but a lot of his dunks were good, just not explosive. Mitch, I'll pitch it over to you. What did you take away from this? Yeah, well, I was actually very surprised because past couple of years, as many people know, the dunk contest has not been entertaining at all. I watch it with a cringed look on my face, but Mac McClung gave me something to be happy about. These were dunks that are not commonly seen, which, you know, you'll get the repetitive thing with the dunk contest, and I can see that being a problem in the future too, but McClung did not have that problem, and he's technically not even an NBA player as he's on the Sixers G League squad, but I wonder if this can actually give him more of an opportunity to be a player that they start to rely on in certain situations and it was surprising for me which was the best part about it i'll keep it short and simple i think it was the best dunk contest i've seen since zach levine and aaron gordon's duel i think that was in 2016 like that was very impressive mac mcclung incredible performance uh, you know i i think it might have brought back the dunk contest a bit Definitely. I would agree the dunk contest is back. Great win from Mac McClung, and hopefully he gets his shot in the NBA. Next up, it's time for Around the Rue. And our Around the Rue question this week is, why or why not the NBA has the best all-star experience in major sports? Matt, I'll start with you. What is your answer to our Around the Rue question this week? So when I did this outline last night before seeing the dunk contest, I thought, no, it does not because it was losing the lacklusterness of it. You know, the three-point contest is the same. The dunk contest was on the decline until last night. And the all-star game, the integrity of that game has been in question for a while. So I said the MLB still has the best all-star experience. I love the home run derby. The all-star games, people still play for it, even though it no longer determines home field advantage in the World Series. I think the MLB has a slight lead over the NBA. Mitch? Me being me, I will never give the credit to baseball over basketball. And either way, I think that the NBA does have the best all-star festivities. I believe there's many ways that they could improve that, but... As far as the events, they, it's the same thing every year, but it somehow manages to be entertaining in one aspect or another. The dunk contest last night simply proved that, and I'll give it to the NBA in this one. I'm also going to take the NBA. I'm in the same sense as Mitch. I actually went to the All-Star festivities for the MLB when they were in Cleveland a few years ago at this point. I'm yeah, not 20, sure. 2019. 19, yes. And I did enjoy my experience, but I'm just I'm a basketball guy. I'm going to take the NBA as well. And before we head into our little game, the last question I wanted to pose to you all, or actually, let me take a step back. For those of you who don't know what Around the Rue is, make sure you check out our Twitter page so you can get in on the action and vote on our Around the Rue question. It'll be a poll on our Twitter up for six days. We want to hear from you as to your answer to this response. Again, again, our question is, why or why not the NBA has the best all-star experience in major sports? If they don't, click one of the other options and tell us why in the replies. But before we move into our little game, do you think that the NBA has anything to improve still with the dunk contest? It's got to be more consistent. you got to find people that want to dunk to be in the dunk contest. I wish that they could get some of the superstars and name value to attract people to the dunk contest. I don't know how possible that is. If you heard John Morant responding to it, 
he's not going to do it, and that's one of the top people that is going to bring in people. But as far as name value, I think that's where they do improve it. It's hard to in other ways. Absolutely. Hey, guys, it's time for the game that I've been talking about all day long. And that is the All-Star Draft. We do this every year on Sports Power Talk. It's a super fun and enticing game for our listeners. Here's the rules of the game. We have Matt and Mitch. They're going to draft their teams. Matt, we have determined off-air, is Team LeBron. And Mitch is Team Giannis. And Matt will have the first pick of the reserves. Each each guy is going to pick their team. And at the end, I will decide who I think is better. And we want you to let us know on Twitter who you think is better once again at WZIP Sports. So let's get right into it, Matt. You have the first pick of Team LeBron for this year. All right. For the reserves, Damian Lillard. Good pick. Mitch, you have next. Who is your next pick as a reserve? For this pick, I'm going to go Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Ooh, elaborate on that pick because that's not what I would have expected, Mitch. Yeah, I'm a really big Shea guy. I think he's one of the most underrated guards and, frankly, players in the league. He is the main source of OKC. He is, I'm not saying he's Russell Westbrook when he was there, but he plays that role for them now. And he's extremely talented, and I feel like I need him on my team. I like it. Matt, you are back on the clock. I'm taking Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, another good pick. What do you like about Jalen Brown that makes your team better? Uh, I need guards. He's a good guard. He's on the come up this year. For sure. Mitch, back on the clock. What you got? Definitely took my pick right there. Ooh, a little yeah, steal. Yeah, it was a little steal. But I think for this pick, I'm going to go with DeMar DeRozan. Ooh. I got mine. I'm going Paul All George. Right. Paul George. Next up, Mitch, go ahead. Paul George being off the board, I am going to take Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, is that Ooh. based off his performance last night? Yes, it is. I like that pick, Mitch. I actually do like that pick. Matt, right. you're up next. I need a four or a five. I'm going to go Jaron Jackson Jr. Okay, another interesting pick, young guy. What makes you pick him? I guess I need a big. He can do everything. Good pick. Mitch, back on the clock. What you got? I'm going to go Pascal Siakam. I think he's criminally underrated, and I also needed a big guy. I think he's going to do it for me. Good late addition into the All-Star game indeed. Matt, you're up next. What do you have? You know, my team needs some culture. So because of that, I want to take Bam Adebayo. The boy, that's my guy, Bam Adebayo. Good pick, Matt. Uh, you may have just swayed my vote no matter what Mitch says going forward. See? But, Mitch, you are up next. What you got? You know what kind of guy I am. going to go Julius Randle. Randle. After the worst three-point performance I've ever seen. Mitch, what is your obsession with Julius Randle? I know you've talked about it off air. Why do you like Julius Randle so much? I just have a strong appreciation for him as he was doubted a lot in his younger career. He's stepped up for New York this year, and he's been debatably the heart and soul with uh, Jalen Brunson for that Knicks team. He's making them what they are, and if they compete at all, it's going to be because of Julius Randle, MVP, baby. Absolutely. Well, Matt? I'm going to pick a guy. I'm going to pick another guy I know you have a soft spot for because I want to win this. I'm taking DeMontez Sabonis. Okay. I do like that pick. Mitch? For this pick, I think I'm going to go Anthony Edwards. I really like that pick, actually. Anthony Edwards, good dunker. 
That's another guy that I'd like to see in the dunk contest. Has he been in it before? I feel like he was in it last year, maybe. I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, but no, my my final pick, right? This is my you got last it. Pick. Yep, last reserve pick. Go for it. De'Aaron Fox. Good pick. All right, and then for your final reserve pick, Mitch, I'll have to go Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday, good pick. Told him off air. I'm not taking Drew Holiday. Why don't you like Drew Holiday? Because I don't like Drew Holiday. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for our reserves. I'm going to give the first starter pick to Team Giannis and Mitch. Mitch, who is your first starter? This wasn't that difficult for me. I'm going to go Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic, great pick from the Dallas Mavericks. Matt, you're up next. Oh, he left my first pick for me. I'm taking Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum. Matt takes Jason Tatum. Mitch, back on the clock. I was hoping to get Tatum, but I feel like I'm going to dominate the paint in this one. Give me Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid, another great pick for Team Mitch and Team Giannis. Matt, you are back on the clock. What you got? Uh, you know what? I wasn't going to go big here, but since he went big, I'm going to go Nikola Jokic. The Joker, predict, another predicted MVP on the horizon for Nikola Jokic. Mitch, you're back on the clock. What you got? You know, in honor of me getting Luka Doncic, I feel it's right for me to get Kyrie Irving, his teammate. Ooh, interesting tandem we have there bringing on two Dallas Mavericks. Back up, we have Matt. Go for it. I was scared my homerism pick would be taken away from me. I'm taking Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, indeed. Spida is headed to Team LeBron with Matt. Next up, Mitch, what do you got? I have to go in what my team needs right here, and I need Laurie Markkinen, so I'm going to take him. Laurie Markkinen, a late addition to the starting lineups after he was elevated from a reserve. Who's your fourth pick, Matt? Well, I think this is my final pick because I have LeBron. That's right. Excuse oh, yeah, me. This is our final pick. Yes, okay, excuse me. Yes. Our starting roster. There's only one guy left, and I need a point guard, and that's John ja Morant. John ja Morant, an excellent pick for Team Matt there. Mitch, who is your final pick? Well, I think... I believe that was my final pick with Lori Martin. That's right. Excuse me. I forgot she went first. All right. So to round out our teams... Team LeBron, starting lineup is John Morant, LeBron James, Donovan Mitchell, Nicole Jokic, and Jason Tatum. And on the bench, De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis, DeMontis Sabonis, Bam Adebayo, Jaron Jackson, Paul George, Jalen Brown, and Damian Miller. That is Team Matt and Team LeBron. For Team Mitch and Team Giannis, we have Luka Doncic, Joel Embiid, Kyrie Irving, Lowry Markkinen, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. On the bench, Shai Gillis Alexander, DeMar DeRozan, Tyrese Halliburton, Pascal Siakam, Julius Randum, Edwards, and Drew Holiday. Both great teams. I'm going to go with my gut here, and I'm going to go with Team Matt and Team LeBron. Yes, this is what I will. This made my day, Logan. Hey, Matt, you know, Team LeBron has yet to lose, and I don't think it starts now. Great pick, Matt. Let us know on Twitter who you think will win our WZIP matchup. Guys, that is going to do it for our show. Well, you know what, everyone? Just uh, you got plenty of sports today. NBA All-Star Game, Daytona 500, Tiger Woods is playing. And if you know sports aren't your thing, listen to Entertainment Rebooted. I'll be talking about Paramore's new album on this segment. So if you want to hear me speak again, keep listening. But thanks for listening, everyone. Absolutely. Mitch, any final thoughts? Yep, keep tuning in. WZIP putting out great content like this. And go Hawks, baby. Hey, guys. It's been a great show. Once again, I am Logan Conger. I am your host. Entertainment Rebooted is up next. You're not going to want to miss that. Matt is featured talking about Paramore. Going to be an awesome show. Our entertainment department does a great job. That is going to wrap it up for this 
February 19th edition of Sports Power Talk. Once again, joining me was... Matt Pamuka. Mitch Bates. And I am Logan Conger, but we will see you next time on Sports Power Talk.